This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host. The man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. All right, uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here at the Toyota Center with my good friend M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange and Culture Map. And we're on the Toyota Center floor after the Rockets just beat the New York Knicks 91-86. to Bit of a comeback victory in the fourth quarter. Uh, James Harden goes for 36 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Uh, and the Rockets are now 11-3. and three. MK, thanks for joining me for this. I know it's late. Thank you, as always, Dave. Um, first of all, you know, just looking at this team, they, they have three starters out tonight. Again, uh, Beverly is out. We, we're kind of almost used to Patrick saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I dinged up my, my hamstring a little bit, but I'll be, I'll be back for the next game. And, and, and now he's out, and it looks like we may see him out for a longer period. And, of course, Jones and, and Dwight are still out. Three starters out. How is this team now 11-3? and three? winning games. It's difficult to really gauge what we have and what we've seen thus far based on the injuries that this team has incurred and it's interesting just kind of discussing things before Mikhail into the, the post-game press conference and you know people are a little bit upset about the, the level of play these last few games but how can you really judge them or how can you be critical of where they are right now based on the fact they're missing three-fifths of the lineup and, and when you start talking about not having Dwight Howard for four games and not having Terrence Jones for ten games and not having Patrick Beverly for seven games, it puts the evaluation process in a really perilous situation or position because you really don't know exactly what you have. I think, you know, as, as, as inconsistently as they've played through the course of this first three games of this five-game homestand, having double-digit leads, blowing those leads, coming back to win against Dallas on Saturday night, the Knicks tonight, I think it speaks volumes about the toughness they've shown thus far and how far they've come defensively. And, you know, maybe that will get lost at some point in the wash that they're still second in the league in defensive rating. But what you saw tonight and what you saw against Dallas was a team coming back from deficits in the fourth quarter because they can lock teams down defensively. And we never talked about that last year. A, and B, they're doing it without Dwight Howard on the court, which is pretty miraculous. So I don't know if you give all the credit to, 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 to Trevor Ariza, if you give a lot of it to James Harden being much better defensively, if you just give it to the overall mentality of the team shifting dynamically, they've been a fantastic defensive team this year. And I think that speaks to where they are heading forward, even with all the injuries. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's, uh, you know, I was expecting McHale to focus on James and, how, you know, how he had such a great game. But I, I was a little bit surprised. I don't want to say surprised, but I thought it was uh, a nice thing for him to say, come out and credit Trevor for that, uh, you know, with about seven minutes to go in the fourth for sparking the defense. And he did do that. Had a couple of, had a, hit a big three when the offense was completely stagnant and then hit, uh, you know, got a couple of steals that got them going, and then Harden, of course, uh, took over offensively. You know, uh, it, it's interesting you point out, too, uh, that they're winning with defense. There have been a handful of games, uh, albeit against poor teams, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe Dallas, that they've come back and won. I think the Laker game's a bit of an anomaly in the sense that, uh, you know, they, they fell apart down the stretch. We're seeing them sort of, uh, you know, Harden, I think, step up uh, in big moments. 
I just, you know, I, I think we can talk a little bit about maybe his MVP candidacy. We saw some uh, some fans chant MVP down the stretch, um, and I think there's, there's definitely an argument to be made. We'll talk about that as well. But it's interesting to me to watch this team with the injuries when James Harden is out. Because we talked about it, you and I, at the start of the fourth quarter when things were, were going south, the Knicks were pulling away, and that team, what they are able to put out in that lineup right now is so bad. Uh, you know, looking at uh, Dorsey or Black or and, and Papa Nicolau and Ariza and uh, Francisco Garcia. And, you know, those guys are complimentary players and they're just being thrown out there without Harden is uh, a very, very poor lineup, a lottery-bound lineup. So it's, it's fascinating to me to see this team, how important James Harden has become. Well, let's be honest. It, it's frightful. When he's on a bench, particularly in the second half, particularly when things are breaking down, I always feel like I'm watching Kevin McHale by minutes. Like he's going as long as he possibly can <laughs> yeah. go, keeping hard on the bench, realizing that he's going to, have to close the game on a seven, eight, nine-minute stretch. And to the point Mikhail has made a couple times, this is kind of in passing. I gotta play him fewer minutes. Gotta play. It's not going to happen. He's playing thirty-seven plus minutes right now. You're missing three starters in your lineup. Ariza is playing what thirty-six plus minutes right now. Those guys have to play heavy minutes, and you don't want to burn them at this stage of the season. But you can't afford to play other guys anymore because, as you reference. Those are complimentary players at best. And, and we saw a lot up on the floor tonight with Devo as the big, Ariza, Papa Nicolau, Garcia, and Cannon. I'm like, what the hell's going on out yeah, here? You know, yeah. But which horse does he really have? When you're missing three starters again, it, it, it screws up everything, the entire rotation. Not just those three guys, but the guys playing behind them having to take those minutes, the guys behind those guys having to take their minutes. It's all in flux. So it's interesting to see how much they can get accomplished with what they have right now. And I think you make an excellent point. It's difficult to watch because they're not very good, but at the same time, they are getting it done. And, and it makes me put the Lakers' loss in a different perspective because, yeah, they gave up a 12-1 run to close that game, but that was the second game back for Nick Young. The Rockets shot the ball extremely well in the first half from deep. That's kind of what they are right now. We'll dig into the numbers a little bit in a second here, but, you know, Harden has been extraordinary. And, and yeah, maybe people want to discredit any sort of MVP discussion because you're shooting 40.1% from the field and 34% from three-point range. But, my goodness, six-plus assists, six-plus rebounds per game, 25-plus points. He's doing everything for the same usage rate is through the roof. He's carrying them. And I think because he did what he did tonight, the last 12 points of the game for the team, because he did what he did Saturday night against Dallas, really carried him down the stretch on both ends of the court. You were seeing the maturation of a 25-year-old player, and you're seeing a guy rise above the circumstances and understanding, you know what, these guys around me aren't capable of doing this. I have to do it on my own. Yeah, you know, I think in the past they talked, oh, Harden MVP candidate. And I was like, yeah, he's a great player, and you put him into that mix, but he's not. Kevin Durant and LeBron James are, are better players. But you, now it's a legit discussion. I mean, they've had two games this year where all five starters have been healthy. Harden has been the one consistent guy who's there every night, has, and they're 11-3, and three, has carried them. And, again, it's very early. Kevin Durant's not going to be an MVP candidate this year with his injury. LeBron James, certainly it's, it's still too early, but you know, and, and he may pick it up and carry that team. You now have to look at James Harden, I think, as a legit MVP candidate this year. He could possibly win that. Steph Curry, um, Anthony Davis, James Harden, I think right now, or maybe your leading candidates again. Yeah. We're talking, you know, 15, 20% into the season. But right now, those three guys are kind of above everybody else in terms of the pecking order. And I don't think you can discredit James at all 
based strictly on a, on a shooting percentage because we understand from watching him, that's a byproduct of having to carry the team when you look on the floor and there are other guys who can't shoot the basketball at all or, as Mikhail keeps pointing out, no slashers on the team. And we talked about this in a previous podcast. At some point, it's going to catch up to the Rockets and they're going to redefine who they are offensively by not having a Shannon Parsons, by not having Jeremy Lin, and in this present situation, not having um, Dwight Howard at all. Let's look at something right here. Last year, this team was eighth in the league in restricted field goal percentage. Restricted area field goal percentage is 62.5%. Right now, they're 26th in field goal percentage in restricted area. They were fourth in field goal attempts, third in field goal uh, made in restricted area. Now they're 16th and 22nd in those same categories. They've completely fallen apart as an interior scoring team with no Dwight Howard. Yeah. So, how can you blame James Harden for shooting a worse percentage when A, they're shooting nothing but threes primarily. They're focusing on him. Yeah. yeah, and the teams are focusing on him. And B, there's nobody as a big that can score in the paint. He has to shoot more. He has to control the ball more because there's no there's no Jeremy Lin, there's no Chandler Parsons. He has to do more. So I'm not going to hold the shooting percentage against him. I think he's played extraordinary basketball through the first 14 games. And beyond Anthony Davis, I think right now he's the clear leader as the MVP. James Harden is, is, is a viable candidate. See, and you mentioned Anthony Davis to me earlier, and I, I got to admit I was thrown off by that because even though New Orleans is a very good team, and he's out, he's incredible. I mean, he's outstanding, and I think this guy is going to going to clearly win an MVP at some point. I, I just struggle to find, I guess, a, I don't want to say mediocre team, but just even a middling playoff team, potential playoff team uh, that pulls out an MVP. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to Moses Malone, you know, in his Houston Rocket days, you know, ages ago, maybe, and maybe I'm missing somebody, but it seems like it's always an elite team or a, a very top team that, that pulls that MVP out. So, you know, maybe I should be considering Anthony Davis more, but I feel like you're right, Steph Curry, uh, James Harden. I mean, those are probably the guys, and maybe it is Anthony Davis, that are in, in the top two or three of MVP race right now. It's difficult to get around how great Davis has been coming off of the hype of the summer where people expected him to be great, that he's going to be the third best player in the league now behind LeBron and KD. And again, I think the, the most salient point is the one you're making about KD. If he's going to miss a couple more weeks, does he play enough games through the course of the season to warrant strong MVP consideration to get another trophy after he got his last year? And then if they don't get into the postseason chase because they're so far behind the eight ball right now, how does that impact the way people view him? I think New Orleans is going to be in the mix for most of the year, even in the tough West, because Davis has been outstanding. And I think when you look at the all-around impact of this game, the scoring, the rebounding, the, the block shots, the defensive you know, maven ability, he, he's viable. But Harden, because he's leading a team that's 11-3 right now, is going to get a lot more eyeballs. And I think as the narrative shifts on his defense, as more people watch him play better defense in the course of the year, that will help boost his candidacy as well. Because at some point, We'll move beyond the YouTube video of last season and recognize nationally he's been a much better player defensively this year. And I think, honestly, that's also impacting the shooting percentage. You know, again, watching this team, uh, you know, I, you can't help but ask yourself how good or how much would it impact them if they added a, another slasher. I thought I was listening to your Q&A with Mikhail before uh, the game. I thought it was an interesting conversation. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. But what do you think this team, how much would it improve this team to have another guy, and I'm not going to say on the level of James Harden, those, those guys aren't necessarily available, but just somebody who can break down his man, take you know, attack the basket, create for somebody else, how much would that change this team? It's weird. We were sitting there banging the drum for Isaiah Cannon early in the game, then he started playing poorly in the same game, and you understand just the, 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 the dilemma that Mikhail faces. They just don't have anybody on their current roster that's capable of taking the ball from James getting to the rim, either breaking the defense down, 
at scoring or breaking a defense down and dishing to someone else or putting them in an advantageous situation to score the basketball. And that's why James's usage rate is so high this year because he's being asked to do so much. And I don't know who's out there. I know we've kind of there's been talk about Corey Brewer, but I don't know if he's really that kind of player in terms of give him the ball, watch him break down and get to the rim. They need someone else that can kind of be an outlet in terms of providing that sort of offensive ability, and they don't have it right now. So what we've seen before Dwight Howard got hurt was a nice, delicate balance between a pick and roll, between Harden and Howard that was enabling both those guys to be efficient offensively. Well, you don't have that. You see more on James's plate. At some point, they've got to figure out some sort of way to alleviate that. Trevor Ariza is not that kind of player. Um, Patrick Beverly is not that kind of player. Maybe Francisco Garcia was that player six years ago, but he's not that kind of player now. And really the only viable option to do that is Isaiah Cannon, and he has to be more consistent in terms of his ball handling and more consistent in terms of facilitating the offense. We haven't seen that right now. So I don't know how Kevin McHale addresses that. I think he wants to address it, but then he looks at that bench and realizes he doesn't have the personnel to get it done. So at some point, either a move has to be made or someone internally, primarily Cannon, has to step up and be better at alleviating the pressure and handling some of that ball handling in the half court. I think that's uh, it also highlights their woes a little bit that we're counting on a second year second round player to, to be you know your second best creator or uh, you know slasher penetrator uh, I think that's also a little bit frustrating is that we haven't you know again it's early so we're, we're we're jumping to a lot of conclusions based on you know a handful of games but we haven't seen uh, this lineup really together we haven't seen them be tested the Golden State game Dwight goes out Memphis game was was certainly one where uh, a lot of the guys were there of course but Jones wasn't there so it, it's hard to tell but it does seem like they're going to need to make a trade especially for a big the last three games you got the Lakers you got the Mavs tonight you had the Knicks um, none of those teams have somebody you dump it to in the post and just can eat you alive inside that's changing on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with, with the guy that you, yeah, <laughs> that you love, DeMarcus Cousins, coming in. How important is it that Dwight plays in this game? You would think that he needs to get out there and play. And it's interesting kind of watching everything unfold um, the, the past 24 hours about the reports that he was going to play tonight, then he doesn't play. And it leads you to believe on some sort of logical level that they're saving him for the game on Wednesday. If he is feeling better, then the best chance for him to play and have an impact is against a team that's a dominant center. And let's be honest, Boogie Cousins has turned into a dominant center in the West. But if you read between the lines tonight, Mikhail made the point about the bigs having to step up and, and do more on Wednesday. And you wonder, does he make that comment if he knows Dwight Howard's going to play, or is he making that comment thinking about it's going to be Tariq Black and Joey Dorsey yeah. hoping it gets hope and praying on, on their knees that they can do something to slow Boogie Cousins down? I, it's, it's hard to gauge when they're going to get Dwight Howard back. You don't want him to rush back because you know how important he is to what you do both offensively and defensively. But in the same vein, as, as much trouble as they had with Brandon Wright and Tyson Chandler on Saturday night with both of those guys getting double-doubles, and as you referenced, neither guy being someone you dump the ball into and score, I can only imagine what issues they're going to have trying to defend Boogie Cousins on Wednesday and keep him off the glass both offensively and defensively, given how great he's played thus far this season. You know, I had David Weiner on the podcast a few days ago. I asked him <laughs> if he thought Donatus Motunas was a bust. I mean, the six or seven games at that point in time that with Terrence Jones was out, his numbers were dreadful. Uh, he's, you know, to me, has seemed to be a guy you don't put out on the perimeter and you also don't want him necessarily in the paint. But the last couple of games has played pretty well defensively. Uh, tonight had 13-8, and eight, was your second leading scorer on this team tonight. Um, what have you seen from, from Motionis? Does he have a future, or are you encouraged by this? Uh, you know I've been very critical of him during yeah. the games because you sit right next to me and you hear me <laughs> scream about him through the course of the entire night. 
Um, but he has played better of late, and, and let's, let's give credit where it's due. Look, he's never going to be a physical behemoth in the paint. As much as I would like to see a seven-footer who's gotten bigger and stronger over the last couple of years be a guy who would tear the room down or duck over someone, it's pretty clear that's not in his DNA. He's not going to be that player. And you would like to not see a seven-footer shoot 41.8% from the field and 23.8% from three-point range when he gets a lot of open looks. Oh, yes. I mean, a ton of them. That's an issue. But he's been a decent rebounder of late. I think he's trying to bust this up defensively. And if you can get consistent scoring on occasion, not volume scoring, but just consistent scoring, that's all you need. And I think he's, he's played better of late. I, I don't know if I'm willing to call him a bust. I was much more enamored with his potential a couple years ago. Me too, yeah. and he just hasn't given you enough to feel positive about where he's headed. But looking where they are now and hearing Mikhail constantly reference the fact that Terrence Jones isn't coming back anytime soon, there's no pressure on Demo. There's no no reason to look over your shoulder. There's no worry about somebody coming back in and taking your spot. He has to play up to the level of capability because it's his right now. There's no one else that's going to fill that void other than him. I wanted to ask you about uh, Mari Stoudemire's comments tonight. He, uh, <laughs> I, I was near tears laughing when I actually listened to the audio and where he had said that Harden got miraculous calls down the stretch. It was as if an angel. Uh, had come down and, and made those calls for him. But I want to ask you because we've heard a few different guys. I remember Zach Randolph also, you know, venting about calls Harden gets. I mean, it, it's it's a common thing that we've heard that he gets a lot of calls. How much do you think of that? It's just frustration that he's very good at getting at, at drawing fouls, or are these not legitimate calls? I think it's interesting because there's there's been a new narrative kind of created about Harden that he plays an ugly style of basketball that the, the high volume of free throw attempts takes away from the fluidity of the game and it's not very aesthetically appealing. It's interesting to me because the, the point of the game is to score the basketball efficiently. Either corner three-pointers, layups, or free throws. I don't understand how people could take issue with that. Well, he's pretty good at all. Well, he shoot a lot of corner threes, but he's a decent three-point shooter typically. He gets to the rim very well and he's obviously an excellent, excellent free throw shooter shooting 90% this year and he does so in volume. I'm not quite sure where Amari was coming from, specifically speaking of tonight, because Hart only six seven free throws, six in the fourth quarter, made all six. And I think every time I saw him get fouled, the whistle blew. It wasn't like they were phantom calls. So I get the frustration in terms of how he plays, throwing his body in the guys. And Parsons mentioned that on Saturday, and then we saw it in the key moment of the game that Harden got into his chest, got the foul call. But I think by and large, Harden is really good at extending his arms, getting the foul across his wrist or his forearms, and making a legitimate play at the basket. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's because he has a unique skill set. We're not seeing that very much now in the game. The guys are so enamored with trying to dunk or just shoot three-pointers. He's figured something out. He's, he's beating the system, so to speak. And maybe other guys will emulate that at some point. But right now, he's the only guy doing that. Yeah. And I think that's why you're, you're having guys take issue with it. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to watch him. Obviously, he's a guy who attacks the basket a lot. I mean, he can do the Euro step on you. He can go left. He can go right. And and, and lefties are hard to guard in general, I think, Period, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, and yeah. so... I think that's that adds an element to it, but uh, I, you know, I, I definitely got a kick out of his comments tonight. Sacramento Wednesday going to be a big game day before Thanksgiving. Want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, man, thanks so much for joining me. Anything we uh, we we missed? Uh, I think what's interesting is we keep looking forward with this team. Can they lower the number of three pointers they're taking? Uh, I think right now, what they're first in the league in attempts, first in the league in make, but only 15th in three point percentage. So they're middle of the pack. So you're not really getting a great deal of efficiency out of the high volume of threes that are taken. And we both understand they're doing a lot of this because Dwight Howard is unavailable and Terrence Jones 
for, for that matter. But at some point, they have to strike a better balance. And I reference the numbers in the restricted area, how they really come way back to the pack, considering how good they were last year in that regard. They just got to strike a better balance. They, they got to attack the rim. They got to find guys who are willing to at least get shots up in the paint and do a little bit better job of balancing their offense because right now it's it's imbalanced and it's a problem. And I think that's why we're seeing them give up leads so frequently. So for Sacramento, for the Clippers, as they move forward into December, I'll be curious to see what happens with their offense because they have to do a better job of not being so three-point oriented. Yeah, I, I agree. I think right now as far as you're, when you're looking for offense, I mean, it's, it's Dwight post-ups. Uh, James Harden attacking and your three-point shooting. Now you've got three a three-pronged attack, and that's it. And you know, I thought Troy Daniels was going to have a big year this year. Um, I think as long as Jason Terry is playing and is, the, and is sort of that guy, then then uh, Terry's going to keep him on the bench. There's no reason, you know, Terry can do more things than Troy Daniels. He's sort of a one-trick pony, but he's very good at that one trick. Um, but it, yeah, it is interesting that they've had this stretch where they struggled so much and have fallen now. You know. To middle of the pack as far as efficiency. Yeah, the 23rd in yeah. offensive efficiency. They're not even middle of the pack. They're in the bottom bottom part of the league. When the last time we got together, they were shooting 44, 45% yeah. overall in the first five or six games. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been live or die by that three-point shot, but it's such a key element. Like uh, Mikhail said after the, the the Dallas game, I mean, they he felt they missed 10, 12 open three-pointers, but they have to take that shot. I mean, that's, that's what their offense creates for them. So I think it's going to be up to Daryl to still find somebody to add a, a wrinkle, an element, uh, you know, what kind of a slasher or a score. I mean, I, I didn't think Corey Brewer was the right fit for this team, but maybe he adds something that I've, you know, that they don't have, uh, somebody who can attack the basket. It's clearly an incomplete roster, and it will be offer a great deal of interest to see what they do next. Awesome. Thanks again, MK. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you.